Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Welcome to VFC. We're in a series called Imperfect Heroes. And the, the idea um, that you've seen over the last uh, several weeks, obviously kind of taking a break from it with some guest speakers, but over the last several weeks, it's simple this, like a lot of the great heroes, if not all of the great heroes of our faith, they did some really stupid stuff and, and God used them anyway. So the point is, if, if they did some stupid stuff, if, if they messed up a lot, then, then maybe God can, can use us and maybe, maybe God will forgive us and, and, and maybe God still has an incredible plan for every single one of, of, of our lives. So before I jump into uh, the hero of our faith, the imperfect hero today, I uh, just want to quickly remind you this Thursday from... At 9 to 11 is our Thanksgiving brunch. Um, man, it's incredible. I think last year there was, I don't know, six or 700 people here. And uh, all the campuses, I think around 800 total people. And so it's just cool uh, to come together with, with church family on, on Thanksgiving. Obviously, zero obligation. But a lot of times people say, well, I have somewhere else to go later. And I felt like this was just for people who don't have anywhere to go. Like, listen, anybody can come. And if you know somebody, especially somebody that doesn't have somewhere else to go, bring them with you. Like, this, like you don't have to be a part of the church family to show up. Up. So uh, we'd love to have you uh, Thursday morning, 9 to 11. And then a week from tonight uh, is our Christmas tree lighting. Like that's always an incredible event. Uh, one of the, the, the biggest events we do all year, I think there'll be like carriage rides and uh, reindeer and Santa Claus. Now we have over 100,000 lights on the building and then big food trucks. It's just a really fun uh, night for the entire, entire church family. So uh, love to see you both uh, Thursday and uh, next uh, Sunday, Sunday night. So today we're going to talk about Moses. Moses had some issues, but the cool thing is, like, I got issues and you got issues. Uh, I got I got a lot of pet peeves. Um, anybody, anybody, you got, you got some pet peeves that just drive you nuts? Okay, cool. I'll go first. I'll go first. Let me get these off my chest. Uh, loud chomping. I can't, I, I can't do it. I, I can't. The other day my son was in the car and, and he's chomping really loud and I said, I said, bro, is that... That tastes good because it sounds fantastic. Um, sound, sounds like you're really enjoying that over there. And he's like, oh, my bad, Dad. And I told him this. I said, like, I have not hired people to come on staff because we went to dinner and they chewed like you're chewing right now. And he said, you, you have college students, listen to me. I'm, I'm trying to help you get, get new jobs. He said, you didn't hire somebody because of the way that they chew? And I said, 100%. I said, if, if, if you chew like that, uh, then you can't lead people well because the whole time you're eating all the, I'm just telling you, like, you can't, you can't do it. So I don't, like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Uh, another, one of my, another one of my pet peeves, people say, uh, I need to talk to you later. No. Nope. Right now. Yeah, we're going to do it now. Like, I can't, like, because by the time later gets here, I've made up 600 scenarios and not one of them are good. Like, it's like somebody's got a weird disease, somebody's dead. Like, I don't know, but just tell me now because it's never as bad as what is, is happening in my brain. So just, just get out of the way. My staff wanted me to say my biggest pet peeve was when people leave church early, but I didn't want to do that because I don't want to offend you. <laughs> oh. Just wait five more minutes. Just wait. What are what are what are what are some of your pet peeves? What are some of your pet peeves? What are some of yours? Leaving the door open in the summertime. You you're fine with it in the winter. Doesn't bother you. 
that's fair. That's fair. Huh? Ooh, like cereal? Oh, my kids aren't even in here right now. They need to be in here. Yeah, why do you put the milk back? Throw it in the trash. It's the same. It's the same to go here as it is to put it back in. Now I'm angry. It's not even my pet peeve, but it is. It is. What else? What else? Anybody got another one? Huh? Slamming doors? Really? Slow walkers? Ooh. This is, this is, like, people are really going in right now. People are like, this is the most interaction we've had. Y'all are awake. I got one too. I got one too. <laughs> like, everybody, everybody has these pet peeves. You guys have a lot more than the other uh, four services I preach to. You guys got a lot of pet peeves. And sometimes we let these pet peeves drive us to, to anger. And I don't know, I don't, like, I don't know how many pet peeves Moses had, but I do know Moses spent a lot of time really anger, angry, and oftentimes he let his anger get the best of him. So at one point, like, we know a lot about the story of Moses. I, I preach a lot about him leading God's people out of captivity and splitting the sea and wandering for 40 years before they get to the promised land. We talk a lot about that, but what we don't talk about is way before all of this happened, Moses saw uh, an, an Egyptian beating an Israelite. He got so angry he killed the Egyptian. Not only did he kill the Egyptian, he went mafia style and buried the body, right? Like, and then, so, so like he has these, these crazy anger issues. But here's what's wild. After Moses killed somebody and buried the, the body, now fast forward 40 years later, God still used him. And I think when we look at some of the issues of some of these heroes of our faith to see like, man, this is like, this is an incredible and egregious sin and, 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 and God still uses him. Anyways, like that's kind of the beauty of the grace of God through the entirety of, 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 of scripture. Like the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean? It means Jesus didn't come for the holy. He didn't come for the, for the righteous. I mean, Jesus came for the, for the sick and the broken and the lost. He came for sinners. We know the Bible says it's by God's grace that we have been saved. We know the Bible says that he will cast our sin as far as the east is from the, the west. That's the point of the, the gospel. And, and everything, everything, everything in the Old Testament points to the gospel of Jesus in the New Testament. Everything in the New Testament points back to Jesus. The story of Hosea and Gomer is, is one of my favorites, and I talk about it a lot because, to me, it's one of the most incredible representations of the Old Testament of what Jesus will do for us. And it, I'll tell you the really quick version because I don't want to like, it's not my sermon today, but I think, I think it's important for those that don't know the story. There's a prophet, his name is Hosea. God says marry a prostitute, right? And so... He doesn't want to, but he does anyways, because God told him to, and so he's obedient. So he, he marries a prostitute. Well, a couple years later, his wife goes back into her old life. And what God speaks to the, to the prophet is incredible. He says, go find your wife and buy her back. And so this, this, this man of God has to go through like, and he's very famous. Like, he is the prophet. Everybody would know him. He has to go to the darkest parts of society 
the darkest corners of his communities to find his own wife. And when he finds her, she's like on an auction block, like, like something you would see in a movie. And, and he spends every dime that he has to buy his own wife back. And you think, like, well, how, how, what does that have to do with Jesus and me? Like, that is the story of, of Jesus and me. Like, God created us, therefore we belong to him. And, and, and then we've all sinned. We've all messed up. And when, you, when we sin, we separate ourselves. It's not like God that takes steps away from us. When we sin, we separate ourselves from, from, from God. And so God, even though, even though he created us, even though we should belong to him, we're the ones that decided we're going to go off. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to sin. And yet he bankrupts heaven. He sends Jesus, uh, uh, the, the perfect Son of God to live among us, to die, to be a, a sacrifice so then he could purchase us back, the sacrifice for all of us so we could have eternity secure with him, so we could be forgiven. Like That's the gospel. We see everything in the Old Testament point to the gospel of Jesus and even Jesus himself. He speaks of the prodigal son, and this is a story that's not ever about the son. It was always about the grace of the father. He gives his son an inheritance. Because the son says, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do it on my own, which is all of us at some point in our lives. I want to do it on my own. So he goes off. He squanders his father's inheritance. He lives a, a life of debauchery and sin. He comes to his senses. He comes back to his father, and his father does not punish him. His father opens up his arms with grace and love and says, I will forgive you. I will show you grace. I will show you mercy, and I will give you a new purpose. That's the gospel. The gospel is we messed up, Jesus saved us. Our role is to repent and follow him. So while we know we're forgiven of our sins, while we know we can have an eternity with the Lord in, in heaven, we also have to know that even in the midst of God's grace, we have consequences for our sin. We're familiar with Moses wandering in the wilderness with the Israelites for 40 years. But we don't really talk as much about the f another 40 years, a different, a separate 40 years after he murdered somebody. It's 40 more years that he had to live in exile. Did God bless him in exile? Sure, God did some great things, but he had to live in exile. We have to understand that even in the midst of God's unending grace, there's consequences for our actions. I told you a few months ago about a, a, a friend named Jed who he pastors and, and runs a, a nonprofit called the City Center and does incredible work. And he, uh, it's, it's, he, he reaches out to mostly uh, teenagers that come from uh, broken homes and rough spot of town. And, and, and this is incredible ministry outreach that, that he does. But he hasn't always been doing ministry. A couple of dec decades ago, he would sell drugs and break into houses in those neighborhoods that he currently does ministry in. One day he was breaking into houses and he comes out, police officer was there, Jed pulled a gun and was going to shoot a police officer. Officer shot him three times and he lived and woke up, handcuffed to a bed and got sentenced to, I think, 35 to 40 years in in prison, this first night in prison, he's laying flat on the prison cell floor, crying out to God. 
And you know what? God immediately forgave him. Immediately forgave him. Immediately extended his grace. Immediately gave him a brand new purpose. But it, it wasn't like he just got to walk out of prison because God forgave him. He still served seven and a half years. Yes, God has grace, but there's still consequences for our sin. You, you would think like, like Moses would have learned his lesson like the first time around, but he kind of a hothead throughout the entirety of, of scripture. Like, like now that's fast forward, he's, God's used him to, to lead the Israelites out of, out of captivity, to split the sea thing, and then now he's in the, the wilderness. And then all of a sudden, he goes up and has this incredible moment with God, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Just think about being the guy that God gave the Ten Commandments to. That's legit. And he comes down from the mountain, and, 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 and the, the, the Israelites, his people, they're, they're worshiping an idol, and he is furious. Exodus 32, check this out. This is fascinating. Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing. His anger burned. And he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. Moses broke the Ten Commandments. Not the, the originals. Like... <laughs> Like, don't you think you would set those down, like, really gently and then go off on the people? He's so angry. He breaks the Ten Commandments. And then it gets worse. He took the calf the people had made. And it's the idol, right? He takes the calf the people had made, burned it in a fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. <laughs> anybody, anybody you ever have, uh, when you were a kid, you're uh, your parents wash your mouth out with soap? Yeah, 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 me too, me too. One time I, I said something, we were on, on the way to church, and I said something in the car that my mother did not appreciate. And she said, when we get to the church, I'm washing your mouth out with soap. And I was like, oh. And I, like, she didn't like make threats. Like when she said something, certainly it was happening, right? So, so we get there, we go to the bathroom, she's looking. And at the time, she worked at the church. So she's like looking in like the, the, the janitor closet. Like she's looking everywhere trying to find a bar of soap. She can't find a bar of soap anywhere. So she says, come in the bathroom with me. I'm like, oh no. We go in the bathroom. She gets one of the soap dispensers and she goes, stick your tongue out. I'm like, no, mom. No, no, no. I don't want to do this. Stick your tongue in your mouth. So I did. And she's hold it. Now wash your mouth out, right? That seems so little compared to what Moses just did to all his people. Oh, you want to worship a calf? Now you're going to drink it. It's crazy. Like, we're going to melt this bad boy down. I'm going to make you drink it. It's nuts. He is angry. Now let's fast forward again. Numbers chapter uh, 20, verse 2. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into the wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates. There's no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared on them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak, he says speak, that's important. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. 
you will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels. It's funny, he, he mad already. Listen, you rebels. <laughs> Must we bring water out of this rock? Moses raised his arm. He struck the rock. That ain't what the Lord told him to do. He struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough, to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community in the land I give them. Oh, you want to make an emotional decision? I'm going to, he still made the water come out of the rock. I'll still use you, but no, there's consequences for your action. There's consequences. Moses disobeys. Again, the grace of God allows him to be used but he's going to have consequences. We all want to live in the grace of God. We all love the mercy of God. Not a lot of us like the consequences of, 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 of God. You know, Moses' mistakes to actually live the, the future that he was designed to live in never happened. Cost him. And I wonder if we can learn from some of his mistakes so we don't have to do the same thing. You ever heard people say this like, of course you have, it's famous. Uh, you can't have your cake and eat it too? What's that mean? It don't make any sense. Can you imagine if somebody gives you cake at Thanksgiving and they say you can have it but you can't eat it? What, it doesn't, I, don't, I don't understand. Like if I have cake, then I'm gonna eat the cake. Like why would you say you can't have cake and eat it? It means, I don't think that's right. I think you looked it up last week. You want to preach? Come on. Come on. <laughs> Here's the thing. When it comes to eternity, you know what I want? I want my cake and I want to eat it too. I want to live in the grace of God, but I also, also, also want to live in the purpose of God. Right? So here, here's, here's, I think, the, the biggest thing we can learn from, we can learn a lot from Moses, but the biggest thing today we can learn from Moses is don't make emotional decisions. So we, we see three different times he gets really mad, makes an emotional decision. Every time it costs him greatly. Every time it's a, it's a big deal. These, these decisions carry incredible consequences. I, I can be a very passionate person. Uh, I can lose my temper. I've had some anger issues. I'm growing, just so you guys know. Uh, it's been three years since I've been kicked out of any sporting event, so things are getting better. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Ephesians 4.26 says this, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So you can be angry and not sin. But anger often leads to sin when it's unchecked. And the Bible's pretty clear when it's unchecked. That's what gives the, the enemy a foothold. See, your emotions aren't the enemy. Your emotions are actually very important. God created our emotions. Our emotions are never the, the problem. It's our response to the emotion that's the problem. I haven't preached on anger. I don't think any, uh, I've preached for 23 years. I don't think I've ever preached a sermon on anger. And I actually wasn't really planning on preaching. It was gonna be like a, like a small point in this message, but, but God began to do some work in my life this week. I was like, 
God knew I needed to preach on this this week. Uh, earlier in the week, Christy and the kids went to uh, a restaurant to pick up some food. And, and they picked up food, and there was someone that was already in the restaurant. It was a young man. And, and Christy got the food, and she left. And, and the dude followed her, and he began to cuss her out. And she didn't know why, but she was kind of nervous, obviously. So she got in the car, and she began to drive away, and he followed her. He rolled the window down, and he's saying the, the most vile, disgusting curse words to her. And my kids are in the car, and he's flipping her off, and he cuts her off a few times and follows her to the next place that she was going and gets out of the car, and he films my family. And so obviously, you know, I got some anger issues. So, so she calls me, and the, and the first, my, like my first thought is, you know, as soon as you think somebody's following you, drive to me, you know, and, and, and if they're following you, then, and I happened to be at the gym at the time, and I know almost everyone in my gym because I'm going there a long time, and there's some giant human beings in that gym. And I said, if you would have driven to the gym and called me on the way, me and my friends could have greeted him outside. See how he's doing, you know, if there was an issue, maybe we could help, help with she said, I'll probably never call you. Um, but uh, she asked, she did say, one of my friends who's an officer, she said, can I just get his number? I'll just call him in the future. And I was like, no, you're going to call me. I, I mean, I, I lost it. I was so angry. And, and it's interesting how I haven't preached on anger in my whole, my whole life. And, and here I am, God knew, man, you're going to need this this week. I'm going to need you to study it. I'm going to need you to preach it to yourself. And then because you're really stubborn and kind of stupid, I'm going to need you to preach it six times to people so you understand. <laughs> Listen, guys, my anger has cost me. When I was a, when I was a youth pastor, I, I got mad. And all of you would have gotten mad too. Like I can easily stand up here and say, man, I was justified. Teenagers have that ability. Um, and, and I got mad and I was, I was pretty harsh with a, with a, a, a teenager and he and about 10 of his friends never came back to my youth group most of them came from really broken homes and really tough spaces and I don't know what happened to those kids but I, I've always regretted letting my emotions get the best of me saying things in anger and I lost my ability to continue to influence their lives. Most of them didn't have dads. I could have been a male influence in their life. That was a role model, that was an example. No. I needed to I needed to spout off something quick and stupid. Proverbs 18, 19 says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. In other words, when you offend somebody, you lose the ability to influence them. Like we know this, we know God's grace is immeasurable. But many of you in this room, many of you, many of you in this room, you're simultaneously living in the grace of God and the consequences for your actions. Oftentimes because you let your emotions get the best of you. It was, it was an angry moment. 
Or maybe for you it was a lustful moment. Maybe it was a, a sad moment where you went down a path you've regretted. A fearful moment. You made a choice that for some of you has affected the rest of your life. Trevor Mowad said, your emotions aren't your enemies. They're signals, indicators of something deeper. He says, don't bury your emotions. Recognize them and don't let them drive the car. If you want to not make emotional decisions, train yourself to wait out the moment. Step back. Take deep breaths. Remove yourself from a situation. Begin talking to the Lord. It's, it's, it's weird how when you start praying, it's, it's hard to have really angry, a really emotional, really negatively emotional moments. Talk to a, a, a good friend. Like you are in control of your emotions. They cannot control you. None of us can change what happens to us five seconds ago, five minutes ago, five hours, five years, five decades. It doesn't matter. You, you cannot change anything about your past, but you can fully control five seconds from now, five minutes from now. You can control everything about your responses in the future. I'll talk about me because I don't want to offend you because the whole fortified city thing. When I get stressed, well, used to, when I would get stressed, I would go straight to sugar. And, and stressful emotions, they're not always bad. You can channel them and do, and do good things, but I would always just go straight sugar. And, and now I'm having to deal with some consequences from my response to my emotion. I know some of you are like, well, that's not a big deal at all. It's not for you. The impulse for me is slow, was slowly killing me, right? And for some of you, it's, it's, it's much deeper. It's much darker. It's much more difficult. For some of you, it's, it's an alcohol that has turned into an addiction. It's a pill that's turned into an addiction. It's pornography that's sinful and turned into an addiction. It's allowing bitterness to set in. Like your kids and your spouse, like they're gonna say something that's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna irritate you. That's just part of life. Your boss is gonna make you angry, especially if you work at the church. Social media is gonna make you feel every single emotion. But your response is up to you. Brahms drive through. They trick you. There's only one car. I bet it'll be fast. Three hours. Mm -mm. You control your response. Spam calls. The other political party. Well, mine's right. I, just, I have a right to be mad at the other. Right. Why are we letting things that don't matter in light of eternity affect our lives? The other day, it was maybe, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, I'm pretty hard on my kids. And, and I, was, I, was, I was too hard on my son. And I raised my voice and I was, I was pretty harsh in response. And, and about 10 minutes later, I came back to him and said, hey dude, I'm sorry. I, man, I, I responded too harsh. I was too hard on you. Um, I said things that, you know, I shouldn't say, you know, in a way I shouldn't say it. So I, I, I'm sorry. And he, he immediately, he was like, he's like, no, no, dad, that's my bad. He said, it's, it's, it's totally on me. He said, you wouldn't have done that had I not done this. And I appreciated his, his heart and his maturity in that moment, but I said, Lord, let's be really clear here, bro. Yeah, you did something stupid. 
and you should apologize for doing something stupid, but you did not cause me to do anything. I am fully in control of my response. And, and that is not, don't ever, I said, dude, don't ever take anybody else's response as, as your fault. I said, you're in control of your responses. I'm in control of my, my responses. So you can apologize for what you did, but don't, don't ever think that what I did is your fault. And listen, I'm gonna be intense for a second. And I want you to listen to me. Husbands, listen to me. Some of you have been telling your wife, if you wouldn't have done that, then I wouldn't do this to you. You're telling your, your wife, it's your fault that I cuss you out because you drive me to this. It's wrong, it's sinful, it's manipulative, and it's destroying your marriage. You're wrong. You're in control of your emotion. Wives, listen, you're just, you can do the same thing on the other side. You drove me to this. Had you not done this, I wouldn't have done this. No, 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 you're, you're responsible. And for the, for the love of everything, it's holy. Stop doing that to your kids. You drove me to this. If you weren't such a, if you didn't do, if you acted like, stop. You're in control of you. You're in control of your, I'm not saying don't discipline your kids. I discipline my kids. But my response to them has to be response of the Lord. I don't know, you're like, well, yeah, but Jesus got angry, right? He flipped tables. Some of you are like, that's, that's the Jesus I like the most, right? I like the flipping tables Jesus, right? That's the, whoa, oh, I, like the, I like the angry Jesus, right? That's the one I relate to. So let's look at, let's look at the anger of, of Jesus. Let's look at it. He was angry because people were dishonoring the house of God and mistreating people. His anger was never a response to anything that happened to him, but rather it was a righteous anger and response to what was happening to others. M- most of our anger comes when we think we're being mistreated, right? I'm mad because they did this to, to me. Our anger is about us. So, so let's talk, you wanna be Jesus? You wanna be like Jesus in, in, in angry situations? That's great. What happened? When Jesus' friends, those that are closest to him, those that had his back, sold him out and acted like they didn't know him, what did he do? He get angry? Flip tables then? No. Loved him and forgave him. Well, you know what makes him really angry? Angry when people falsely accuse me of stuff. Whew, I hate that. What about when Jesus was falsely accused? Oh. Man, he loved them. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I loved them. What about when they mocked him? Made fun of him. Oh, that makes me angry when people mock me, right? I don't, I don't like that. I get angry. Don't you get angry? Well, not Jesus. He loved them anyways. Let's take it a step farther. Most of you have never been beaten. Most of you have never been tortured. Jesus was literally dying, tortured beyond recognition. And his response is, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Like, yeah, I want you to be just like Jesus at flip tables. (laughs) Jesus got angry. He was not known for his anger. He was known for his love. Be like Jesus. Be known for your love, not your anger. Like, look, look, I'm I'm cool with anger. Let's have a righteous anger. He was mad because 
people were taking advantage of the, the house of God and the people of God. Let's get angry. Let's have a righteous anger when people take advantage of the people of God. When other people get treated bad, let's let, 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 uh, let's let that make us angry. When the things of God are distorted and misrepresented, let's, let's, let's let that make us angry. But let's always respond like Jesus, because he always loved people well, even when they treated him terrible. Let me give you a couple quick thoughts to help process emotions that are going to help us make better decisions instead of emotional ones. First of all, learn how to protect your mind. Protect your mind. We have the ability to make conscious decisions, but it has to be decisions about what we let into our mind. This is like there's a, a guy that I've been listening to some of his podcasts, and his name is Dr. Daniel Amen. Like in Jesus' name, Amen. That's uh, his name, Dr. Daniel Amen. He's a physician and a psychologist. He wrote a book just came out not too long ago called Change Your Brain Every Day. Change Your Brain Every Every Day. His his clinics have the world's largest database of brain scans. He's done 250,000 brain scans from 155 different countries. So, so this guy, know, he knows a little about brain, a little bit about our, 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 our thoughts. He talks about the importance of your first thoughts every single day. He says, when you scroll on your phone in the morning, it can set your brain on the wrong track for the rest of the day. Some of you do, if you do that every single morning, you're setting your brain up for failure every single day. He said the first 20 minutes after waking up, your brain is in an alpha state. It has heightened imagination, visualization, memory, learning, and concentration. He said that's the optimal time to train your brain to think positively. He said whatever you do first thing in the morning, it trains your brain to recognize those things the rest of the day. So you're either gonna recognize all the positive the rest of the day or all the negative the rest of the day by teaching your brain to pay attention to it. The Bible is really, really clear. It says, take thoughts captive and make it obedient to the things of, of God. Philippians 4, it's, it's clear. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So this guy, Dr. Amen, he talks about ants and ant eaters. okay? And this is really weird for me at first. It's even weirder to talk about it. Ant is simply this, automatic negative thoughts. He said most of us, because of social media and because of just media in, in general, most of our brains are wired to have, in any situation, our first thought is an automatic negative thought. So all of us, he says all of us have these little ants running around our brains, so we have to learn how to ant eaters. The greatest ant eater is true. Take the thought captive to make it obedient to the things of God. This is why I've been off social media a year. Last, uh, right, right before Christmas last year, somebody said something bad about the church and I didn't like it. That happens a lot. But I found myself uh, Christmas morning with my family and I, I couldn't stop thinking about that particular post and then all the comments that were on that post. And I just thought to myself, why am I doing this? And so I'm, I'm not saying that social media is bad for, for you, although I think on your phone is terrible for everybody, but I'm not saying in general, social media is a, can be a great tool. It can be used for, for great things. But for me, I just felt like I need to do a better job of protecting my, my brain. So let's protect our, our mind. And then also very practically, evaluate your circle. 
negativity is more contagious than chicken pox. It, it's, it's so contagious. If, if you're negative, every, if you're around negative people, you're going you're gonna to end up being negative. If you're around jealous people, you're going to be jealous. If you're around sad people, you're going to be sad, right? We know misery loves company. You know what else loves company? Positivity. Joy. Peace. The things of God. Like, whatever you're around, whatever circle you find yourself in, you can naturally become more and more and more like, like that. That's one of the reasons why I have pastor all day in my life. Like, I, I, I know some of my issues, and there are days where I'm frustrated, and I find myself getting angry, and I'll tell Pastor all day, we need to go for a walk, and we'll go for a walk, and I'll unload all of my frustrations, and after I unload my frustrations, he will, he'll, he'll put his arm around me, and he'll say, Pastor, Pastor, it's okay. It's okay. Like, yeah, it's not okay, y'all. It's not okay. He's, it's okay. He'll smile at me, and you know what? It's it, It's okay. It's okay. You have people in your life that are encouraging. Uh, you know what I don't need? I don't need anybody in my life to be like, you know what, just go fire everybody out of You know what, everybody else, just quit your job. This is terrible. You know? <laughs> That's not what I need. I need people back. Like, it's good. It's good. And I want to be that for other people. Encouraging. Uplifting. Supportive. The people that you're around, are they that? Are they, are they the encouragers? Or they're adding to the negativity in your, in your life? Don't forget, you have the ability and the power to choose your circle. You can choose what influences your space. So let's set ourselves up for success. Too many of you are painfully aware of a decision that you made in an emotional moment that cost you. And some of you, I I hate it for you because it's cost you big. Some of you have these deep regrets. I wish we could have a, a rewind button and delete and move forward, but we can't. But I want you to know this. There's grace for you and there's new purpose for you, always. Does that mean there's gonna be some consequences? Certainly, there's gonna be consequences. But notice there's grace for you, there's mercy for you, there's hope for you, and there's a new purpose for your life. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're grateful for you. So grateful for who you are and everything that you've done. God, we're grateful for your mercy, for your grace. God, even though we screw up at times, you're faithful. If you're here today with your heads about eyes closed and you just be honest you say man I've, I've been making decisions emotional decisions I've been making terrible decisions I've been living my life for me not for God but today I'm, I'm done with that I don't want to live my life for for me anymore I want to live for a God that would love me so much. He sent us in to die so I could be forgiven and so I could be free. So that's you all over the room. And you just say, I want to be forgiven of my sins and I want to begin living for Jesus. If that's you, we just slip your hand up in the air so I can pray for you real quick. Thanks, thanks. A bunch of people, amen. Thanks. Yeah, I see you guys. Thanks, thanks. Amen. You can put your hands down.
Everybody pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross and the resurrection. Forgive me my sins. Help me to live for you, to honor you, to worship you, to obey you. Every moment of my life, today I'm saved. I'll never be the same. Thank you for being my Savior. In your name I pray. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at victoryfamily underscore. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.